Good morning and welcome to Covenant Presbyterian Church. We sure are glad to have you here. Uh, sounds like, as I've said before, you sound like you're glad to be here. Good to fellowship with God's people. If you are a visitor, we welcome you in the name of the Lord. We're glad you chose to worship with us. Hope you will enjoy the worship in the sense that you'll hear the Word of God. You'll be encouraged. You'll be encouraged and equipped to serve Him in days to come. Uh, we're grateful that uh, people have been so faithful through the years in giving to the church. That being said, your contribution statements are in the back of the church and in the foyer, and you can pick them up and save us some postage. Also, we have uh, been renewing the church, and so that had a change in the library, both mine and also the church's library. Some of the things are no longer needed or we don't have room for them. They're on tables in the fellowship hall. If you'd like to take a DVD set or a video series or a book or commentary, whatever, they're, they're yours for the taking. The session will meet this afternoon at 4.30. Uh, got some business to do, so pray for us. Ben will be preaching tonight on Romans chapter 2. We have communion next Sunday morning, so prepare your hearts to come to the Lord's table. And next Sunday night, we'll have small group. And so if you are in a small group, hopefully you'll hear soon from your elder and have a plan of, of fellowship and meeting then. But we're glad you're here. Let's worship God together.
The Lord calls us to worship this morning from Psalm 100. Let's read responsively as we come before Him. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. Lord, your thoughts are not our thoughts, neither are our ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are your ways higher than our ways, and your thoughts than our thoughts. And in so many more ways, Lord, we are far beneath you. For you are the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious. You abound in faithfulness and steadfast love. You are to be worshipped and adored and glorified forever and ever. And as we come before you, we plead not our own merit, not our own works, not our own intentions, but we come in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has opened the way by his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. He is the one in whom we come. Help us, O Lord, that we may rest in him, that we may glory in him, that we may love him, even as we come near to you and worship this morning. Come down, O Lord. Holy Spirit, give aid to your people that we may worship you as you rightly deserve. Our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be magnified even now in the ordinances of your worship. We pray all in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And now we pray together as he himself taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. We profess our faith together this morning using the Apostles' Creed. You know, we often think backwards when we think about the Apostles' Creed. The church has been professing these truths for, well, 1,750 years, give or take, maybe 1,800 years. May the Lord answer our prayers and teach these words to our children and thousands of generations after them so the Lord's reign may continue and we may continue to affirm it. Let's profess together. Christians, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, 
the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's sing praise to our God. Turn to number 164 as we sing together, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Amen. Please be seated. Keep your hymnals in hand, though, and open to page 802, and you'll find our responsive reading printed from Psalm 46. Psalm 46 is a song that Israel would have sung when God turned what looked like defeat into victory. It proclaims the security of the kingdom of God in the midst of storms and battles and reminds us that even when the world and our own lives are shaking, that the Lord protects his flock of believers. It's a good psalm. It's a good one to memorize if you get the chance. Let's read it together. Psalm 46, I'll read the plain text. Join me on the bold as we read this God's word. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts His voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations He has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow 
and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his holy word. Let's pray. We extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn us up. You have been our Savior, our Deliverer. Certainly we were lost in sin and darkness, but drawn to you by your Spirit and because of the work of our Lord Jesus Christ, we can look at our lives and our current circumstances and we can cry out with the psalmist that you have turned for us our mourning into dancing. You have loosed our sackcloth and clothed us with gladness. So, Holy Spirit, would you come and, and stir up our hearts even now, this day and all of our days, that our glory may sing your praise and not be silent. Lord, would you grant that we may give thanks to you forever and ever. For indeed, eternity cannot hold all the praise and glory that is yours. You are so good, so merciful. You are just and right. You are kind. You are powerful, mighty. You rule and reign with a hand that sees all things to their intended purposes according to your good pleasure. We are humbled that you have taken thought for people like us we are poor sinful men and women and we confess before you oh lord god our maker that sadly we have sinned very much with our senses and with our thoughts with our words and with our deeds and lord we confess that that these things are not hidden from you but you know them very well lord we know what is right and we know the way to go, for you have given us your word. And yet still our hearts seek after that which is forbidden. And we fail to seek after that which is right and good. We plead your mercy to us, O Lord. Because of our Lord Jesus Christ, would you forgive our sin and lead us and the paths of righteousness. If there's any here, Lord, that are not yet a part of your people by faith in Christ, would you draw them to him even now? Lead them to a sense of, of sin so that they may repent and believe the gospel and find eternal life in Christ. We hate our sin, O oh Lord. But we confess still that, that our hearts grow cold and dull in the midst of a given week and, and we are so thankful to you for this day of rest and refreshment. Would you stir us up that we may turn back to you again, that we may lean on you again, that we may devote ourselves to you again as your Spirit stirs us within. Would you remember, O oh Lord, that favor of old that you showed to your people. Remember the promises that you have made to us in the Gospel to lift us up in our fight against sin and to encourage our hearts with assurance of our salvation. 
Give us strength, O Lord, that we may go forth from this place boldly fighting against sin so that it may be put to death in our members and boldly standing for the truth of your gospel so that your name may be praised in in every corner of this globe. Lord, we are weak and needy, but restore us, strengthen us, give us what we need so that we may walk with you worthily according to the call that we have been called to. Grant us, O Lord, that we may see your steadfast love in the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you give us faith to behold what he has done for us? And would you give us faith and and hope and love and encouragement to to, to return praise upon praise for, for who you are and all that you have done? You are worthy, O Lord, and we thank you that you've called us to yourself. Come, O Heavenly Father, by your Spirit and fulfill the promises that you've made to us. In the midst of our difficulties and circumstances, you have promised that you will see us through. So we pray for those dear souls who are in the midst of trials and and hardship, who are facing sickness and death, who are are struggling against sin. Lord, for for parents who are, are fighting to raise their children against the values of this world, for husbands and wives that that are, are seeking to, to follow after godly counsel and not after the way the world tells us to live. For all of us, Lord, and in all of our situations, would you give wisdom and strength that we may walk with you and that you may be glorified. Would you assure us that you are with us even when it feels like you're not? And would you give us zeal for your word that we might always find the sure promises of comfort in times of difficulty? Send your spirit upon this place even now, O Lord, upon this people, that we may hear what you would speak, that we may not turn back to folly, but that we would continue in lives of devotion to your holy name, just as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Grant even now that your word would go out from the mouth of your servant and accomplish the task for which you've sent it. Harden hearts and soften hearts. Convict, convert, encourage, and build up your people, even this day, that you may be praised in our midst. And we ask these things all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand together and sing again, this time 585, Take My Life and Let It Be.
it really, it really is good when the uh, hymn is not only a hymn of uh, praise to our God, but it's a hymn of us giving ourselves back to God for all he's done for us in Christ. A perfect hymn that sets up the, uh, the offering that we take up now. Let's pray. Father, we sing, take my life and let it be consecrated. Lord, to thee, take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. We do give ourselves to you anew today. We give you ourselves and all that we are and all we hope to be. We thank you for your goodness that your, our cup runs over. Uh, surely goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our life. And then one day we'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so we give out of a gratitude for what you've done for us, uh, for the grace that we know in the Lord Jesus Christ, for his mercy and his love that never fails us. We give with cheerful hearts because you have given yourself to us. We give with expectation, asking you to use these gifts to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. And we pray that you would bless us now as we give in the name of Christ. Amen.
singing is great today, both the choir and the congregation. It's great to worship like that. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Hebrews chapter 11, and we are finishing up Hebrews 11. Uh, I looked at the passage, and you have to make a decision whether you're going to sit down and deal with everybody mentioned or alluded to, and if we did that, there would probably be about 30 more sermons, and I didn't know if we could do that, although we probably could. But I also read the passage, and I understand that as the writer of the passage is writing it, he uh, wants us all to be taken as a whole. And the reason I say that is because he's like a preacher who's running out of time. He says, time does not allow me to mention everybody, and so he kind of mentions everything in mass. What chapter 11 is, it's an encouragement to live by faith. It's not an evangelistic tool by how to be converted and how to be saved by faith, to be justified by faith. But once somebody is justified by faith, that person has to live by faith. And so instead of explaining it in a treatise, he gives us a definition of faith in chapter 1. And then he gives us numerous examples of how we are to live by faith as we carry it out. And if we live like this, he says, we will not fall away, our hearts will not be hardened, we will not be those who shrink back. So this whole passage is not just examples, but it's encouragement to keep living by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30 to the end of the chapter. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who have by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised up to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while others were chained and put into prison. They were stoned, and they were sewn in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. This is the word of God to God's people. Let's pray. Father, use your word to make us more faithful. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. May we hear it. May we have more faith. May we live for your glory. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. In one of my commentaries by George H. Guthrie, he poses this interesting question. He says, what if you believe that God really existed? 
And what if you really believe that God made the world out of nothing? What if you really believe that God rewards those who seek him? What if you really believe that uh, God uh, is going to raise you up to a better resurrection? That there is a new heaven and a new earth coming? How would you live? Well, the reason he asks all those questions is because that's exactly what Hebrews 11 teaches. That this is what we believe. We believe God exists, that God, God rewards those who seek Him, that God made all things out of nothing, that God loves us in the Lord Jesus Christ. There will be a new resurrection from the dead. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. This is what we believe. And what we're finding out in Hebrews chapter 11 is this. We are to live as if we really believe it. And so I want to wrap up uh, this chapter with three little hooks to hang your thoughts on. All things are possible for those who believe. All kinds of people have lived by faith. And all were commended because they had faith. Simple little outline. All things are possible for those who have faith. It's amazing what is mentioned about God's activities in Hebrews chapter 11. Walls to cities fall down. Seas dry up. The dead are raised from God closes the mouth of lions. He quenches the flame that people aren't burned up. And all of these things happen, and it's showing us in a drastic and a dramatic way that nothing is too hard for God, that God can do all things. God can accomplish His wills. God can carry out His decree. And we read that all throughout the New Testament. We read it even when the holy angel came to Mary and told Mary that you would be born, you will give birth to a child and you shall call his name Jesus and Emmanuel and you know all that story. And her answer is, how can this happen since I've not known a man? And basically, the angel of the Lord says, all things are possible for those who believe. The disciples saw the rich man walk away and Jesus told the uh, told them that how hard it is for the wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples say, we've left everything to follow you. We've left it all. We've not walked away from you. We've, we've followed you faithfully. We've left it all. What about us? And Jesus said, it's, it's things that are impossible with man are possible with God. There on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus and James and John and then Peter, and they come down from the mountain, and the other disciples are trying to cast out a demon from this little boy. And Jesus uh, turns to the little boy and asks him, what's wrong? And the dad says, if you can, will you make him well? And Jesus said, if I can, all things are possible to those who believe. And he speaks a word, and the little boy is healed. And then the disciples turn to him and said, why weren't we able to do it? And he said, because you didn't have enough faith. And then you have the example of faith as small as a grain of mustard seed can say to this mountain be moved into the depths of the sea and it will be. And Hebrews chapter 11 just kind of compiles a lot of these impossible looking things that Jesus said and talked about and puts them in a, in a chapter. But he starts off with Jericho. The walls of Jericho came down. He's left out or he's omitted the unfaithful people who wandered in the wilderness 40 years and he starts this 
series with the entering into the promised land by the faithful and they go to Jericho, the first city after they cross the river. And God gives Joshua the marching orders and the, and the military attack plan. And Joshua comes to meet with his, his leaders and they say, okay, what's the plan? And Joshua, here's the plan. We're going to march around the city with the Ark of the Covenant and the priests one time every day for seven days. And then on the seventh day, we're going to march around that city seven times, and we're going to blow the horn, our horns, and the wall's going to fall down. And the captains say, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> I read, no, they probably said, what about a siege on the city? What about surrounding them for several weeks or months and make them weak and make them willing to give up? Or what about getting a battering ram and batter and, 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 and knock the gates down? Or why not have uh, ladders that scale the city? We can overwhelm them. There are more of us than them. But they took those foolish marching orders and they marched around the city for seven days. And then on the seventh day, seven times, and the walls came tumbling down because they trusted God's word and obeyed his command. What God was trying to do as, this, as they entered the promised land was he was giving it to them. It was his gift to them, and they really received it by faith. But you have to be careful, and I'll say more about this in the third point, but God doesn't always make the walls come tumbling down. God doesn't always quench the flames of the fire. God doesn't always shut the mouths of lions. God does not always save you from the sword. The best example of this would be in the book of Daniel. That Daniel, remember, it's in the time of the Babylonian captivity, and Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are models of faith, living by faith to us in, in difficult times. And the king had set up a statue. And he had made a command that if when you hear the music, you're to bow down and you're to worship this statue. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we're not bowing down. You know, we hear the music, but we're not bowing down. We're not going to be idolaters. We worship the one and true and living God. And so the king says, we're going to throw Shadrach, Meshach in the, in the fiery furnace. And they make the great statement. See if I can read it. They make the great statement. Shadrach, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O oh majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. That's the way we're to do it. Our God can, and even if he doesn't, we're not going to serve any other God. Living by faith means trusting God's word, even when it doesn't seem to make sense. It means expecting God to do amazing and miraculous things, more than we could ask or think, as it says in Ephesians. If you heard a guy by the name of William Carey, he was the father of missions. 
He basically set the standard for missions uh, worldwide. That people had forgotten that God wasn't concerned just for the local church and the, and the local community. God was concerned for the world. And so William Carey went to India and he, he was not very, uh, what, what would you say, trained for missions. He was a cobbler. He was a shoemaker. I mean, he fixed shoes. He didn't have a great education. And yet, he went to India, and he, decided, and he was faithful in what he did. And God blessed him beyond measure. God blessed him so that he translated the Bible into the language of the people. And he, he edited several translations. He created schools and universities. He, he had... Uh, language schools, he trained missionaries, he did all sorts of things. And he became known for this, this phrase, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. How do we do that? I'm going to go back to George Guthrie and read a paragraph in this book. How do you live by faith? How do you expect great things from God? By faith, the director of an inner city outreach program ministers to risk at risk teens. By faith, a missionary couple shares the gospel with Muslims over a span of decades. By faith, a businessman lives with integrity and openness about his relationship with Christ, even if it means being fired. By faith, a money manager gives most of his income away, setting a financial cap for his family's standard of living. By faith, a faithful, a successful saleswoman leaves her job to enroll in seminary. You can tell it's a liberal commentary, but anyway. Uh, believing that God has called her to the mission fail. By faith, a church decides to stay in a landlocked downtown location instead of moving to the suburbs, believing God has not abandoned them, uh, the downtown area. By faith. People do all sorts of things. And I began to think, uh, you know, this is to be an encouraging text. How do you and I exhibit that we live by faith? What do you do in your life? And I put me in that. Why not say, what do we do that shows we live by faith? When you close your shop, park your tractor on the Lord's Day, you live by faith. When you stand up against a culture that's going to say you're crazy, you live by faith. When you write a tithe check to the church or give generously to a mission organization, you are living by faith saying God can make the... 90% go as far as 100%. When you volunteer, although you've never been trained to be a teacher, to teach Sunday school or to start a home Bible study, you live by faith. This is a passage is saying there are tons of people who've lived by faith, and we should too. We should live by faith because faith makes all things possible. Second thing is all kinds of people live by faith. All kinds of people live by faith. When you look at this list, it's amazing. 
you know, he, he lists these people, you know, Gideon and, and Barak, Barak is not Barak, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and he lists all these other people. And they're in that list, and, and the list that follows that, there are kings and judges and princes and prostitutes and Jews and Gentiles and men and women and young people and old people. There are all sorts of people in there. And what God is saying, I think, through that and listing all these people that did things without naming them is that anybody, anywhere who lives by faith, God will reward that. God's pleased with that. That if you come to God believing that He exists, He rewards those who seek Him. It's interesting when you look at this list, He lists the names. He lists Gideon and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel, and He doesn't list what they did. And then he lists those who shut the mouths of lions, uh, conquered kingdoms, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the sword. He mentions what they did, but not who they were. Now, why did he do that? Because this was a Jewish congregation, and they understood all the stories, and they could fill in the blanks. They knew the stories behind the names. They knew the names behind the stories. And it's interesting that he says, I could have named more, but time has not allowed me. You know, when we talked about uh, what Hebrews, who wrote it and what it's about, uh, it doesn't give who wrote it. And it really doesn't give a location that it's given to. But the more we study it, the more we realize it really is a sermon that's turned into a traveling letter. Because can't you just see a, a pastor saying, I don't have time to mention all this. I mean, how many times have I looked at my clock and I'm on point two and I've got about five minutes and time doesn't allow me. Well, maybe I could stay to 1230. Y'all wouldn't mind that. But anyway, that's what he's saying. That time won't allow me to mention. There's tons of stories that I couldn't, I couldn't mention because we don't have time. I didn't mention the left-handed judge. I didn't mention the widow that trusted the oil and the flour to go so far. I didn't mention Ruth, the, the Moabitess. I didn't mention Esther. I didn't mention, uh, I didn't mention any of those people because I don't have time to. And what he is saying to them, the Old Testament is full of examples of people who live by faith. And you could almost write in the margin this profound thing. Read the Old Testament. Read the stories. Get them in your heart and in your head. And see what it means for God's people who look forward to the coming of Christ, even then live by faith. And he's saying the people that live by faith, it wasn't easy, it was hard, but they did it. And why in the world would you ever think about leaving Jesus or leaving the church or, or leaving the faith? The second thing I think we see in this point, all kinds of people have faith, but all those people are flawed. Every one of them is flawed. I thought I would trick Sarah this week, and I said, I wonder why God uses so many flawed people. And she rightly said, because we're all flawed. It's all he's got. What president was it said, God must like average people. He made a lot of them. 
You know, God has nothing but flawed people to use. You look at that, Gideon, flawed. God appears to him in the angel of the Lord, and Gideon says, uh, I don't know if I should really do that. Can you make the fleece wet and everything else dry? And the next day it's happened, and he says, oh, wait a second, I, you know, maybe something happened, and can you make it uh, dry and everything else wet? And he constantly had to be propped up by his faith. And Samson, anybody know Samson's story? Samson was a playboy, womanizer, full of lust. God used him to destroy the Philistines. What about Jephthah? Remember Jephthah? What did Jephthah do? Jephthah was the one who asked God, if you would let me win the battle, that when I come home, I'll sacrifice the first thing that comes out of my house to greet me. And the first thing that came out of his house was his daughter. And he kept his foolish vow. And he still makes the list. And David not only committed adultery, but basically murder for hire. Samuel didn't raise his children strong. And you can go through the list and you can say all of them have flaws and failures and sins and have disappointed not only God but themselves. And yet God used them. He's not approving any of those behaviors. He's not saying it's okay if you do that. You know, you don't need to repent. God can use you anywhere. Behind all of these people has to be a, a time of remorse and repentance and forgiveness of God before He uses them, of course. But we cannot use our failures and our flaws to sit on the sideline, to not be involved in the church and the kingdom activities. Calvin said this, I love this, In every saint there is always to be found something reprehensible. In every saint, there's always to be found something reprehensible. Nevertheless, although faith may be imperfect and incomplete, it does not cease to be approved by God. There's no reason, therefore, why the fault from it which we should labor should keep us from discourage us, provided we go on in faith and run the race of our calling. It's amazing what God can do with flawed people. People that are weak that he makes strong. And I, I want to remind you of a story that I've told several times. And you'll remember it. But I think stories bear repeating. Uh, Dr. Long was a missionary that we supported for years. He wrote a book called The Man with a Leather Hat. And if you want to read an interesting uh, mission, mission book, read that. But Dr. Long talked about having a, quote, uh, special service or, or revival in this place where he was ministering down in South America. And he went to the little villages and he told people when and where it was going to be and put out, you know, flyers or whatever you do and missionaries to say, hey, y'all come. And so he came to the day when he was to have his great revival and one person came up. One person. It's one more of the first Bible studies Sarah and I had. Nobody came. 
But anyway, he had one. And so like every good preacher, he gave him the whole load of hay. You know, and then after they ate, they went to saddle up in the barn, and the old cowboy looked at him and said, I thought you were trying to do something in there or get me to do something in there. And he said, I was. I was trying to get you to commit your life to Jesus Christ, ask him to forgive you and believe that he died for you and live for him. And so he said the old cowboy got down in the dirt on his knees and said something like this. God, I'm not much. I can't read and I can't write, but I'm yours if you'll have me. And God would have him. And God used him, that uneducated cowboy, to go throughout the area and preach the gospel. All sorts of people live by faith. We should too. And all of these people were commended for their faith. All of them were commended. It says that in verse 39. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they had been promised. But first, let's look at the structure. When you look at the passage, you say, you look at verses uh, 32 and 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 following, and you have all these victorious people, all these people who won battles and got their children back from the dead and shut the mouths of lion and went through the fiery furnace and had their weakness like Gideon turned into strength. And you had all of these people that had victorious Christian living. And then you have the second list starting in verse 35 where it says, Others were tortured and refused to be released that they might receive a better resurrection. Some were jeered and flogged and beaten and burned and all of that sown in two. And you say, okay, you got... A, where they're victories, they're victorious, and you got list B, where they're victims, where they die for the faith. And you're tempted to think like a charismatic health and wealth preacher. You're tempted to say, well, the first list was the A list, and they had strong faith, and their faith could get God to do anything, and 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 paragraph B or people who had lesser faith and they did stuff but they, they didn't have enough faith to get God to save them or keep them from the lions or sown in two. That is nowhere close to the truth. It probably takes a little more faith to stand there and be sown in two like Isaiah than it did to march around the city and blow a horn. So don't think these are people that had great faith and these have little faith and what it's trying to tell us is your faith doesn't manipulate God to an outcome we have this idea that if we get enough faith that God will do what we ask for he will heal our loved ones he will save this person he will do that and the only thing that's standing between you and health and you and wealth is faith and the only thing, the reason you're poor and the reason you're unhealthy is because you don't have faith. That is heresy. We have to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and say our God can and we believe he will. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to worship anybody else. Faith never guaranteed an easy life. Clint mentioned Paul and how many times he was beaten and stoned and shipwrecked. And, and Jesus in the garden, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And, 
Don't make me go into the cross and be carried the sin of the whole world and be plunged into hell and be forsaken from God. Don't let me do that. And God says, there's no other way to save my people. The apostle Paul had the thorn in his flesh and he prayed. You can't say he didn't have enough faith. Sometimes faith carries us away from trials, and sometimes faith carries us through trials. I want to tell a story from the book of Maccabees. And before I get charged for heresy, the book of Maccabees are not part of Scripture. They include historical documents only, man-made, man-written documents that that tell us what happened in the intertestamentary period between the Old and the New Testament, those 400 years. And there's this, uh, and the Westminster uh, Confession of Faith said you can use them like the documents of men, and that's what I'm using this for, as a, like I would do, quote, Josephus or Irenaeus or somebody like that. In the Apocrypha, in the, seventh book it talks about the seven brothers the book of the seventh chapter of second maccabees talk about the seven brothers and their mother who was arrested by antiochus of epiphanes antiochus of epiphanes was a syrian king who wanted everybody to be loyal to him and to worship him and in order to do that, he made the Jewish people, this is still before the coming of Christ, he made the Jewish people eat things that their law forbid them from eating like pork. And so the way he persecuted these seven brothers and their mothers, is he made them eat pork. And they said they would not. The first son was a spokesman and said, we are prepared to die rather than transgress the laws of our ancestors. And the king began enraged and ordered the pans and the cauldrons be heated. Without delay, he commanded that the tongue of the spokesman be cut out, that he be scalped, that his hands and feet be cut off while his brothers and his mother looked. And when he had been rendered utterly helpless, he was thrown into the fire and fried. And his mother and his brother encouraged one another to die a noble death. The third brother... When the same thing was done to that before he said it, he said, It was from heaven I received these, holding out his hands and feet and sticking out his tongue. It was from heaven that I received these. For the sake of the laws, I will not disdain them. From, from him I hope to receive them again. Like if you cut them off, I'm going to rise again and have a new body, a new heaven, a new earth. Sixth brother, same thing. Seventh brother, they decided they'd try to coax him with money, and it didn't work. And here's what it says that his mother said, their mother said, while their all seven sons were dying. I do not know how you came to be in my womb. It was not I who endowed you with life and breath, nor did I set in order the elements that established the composition of your being. Therefore, the creator of the universe who authorized the beginning of a human life and devise the origin of all things, will in his mercy restore health and life and breath to you since you have placed his law above your concern for your own, own, own deliverance. These people 
just history. These people thought it was wrong because God's law said it was wrong to eat pork. They wouldn't eat a barbecue sandwich and would rather die. What faith. You see, that's what the writer of Hebrews is doing. He's pulling out of history. He's pulling out of scripture. These people that live by faith and said, this is your God. And if you live by faith, God will commend you. God will reward you. You will please God. God will not be ashamed to call you his, his children. And all of these people that are listed here died without receiving what they've been promised by faith. What had they been promised? They've been promised Christ. They've been promised eternal life. They all died looking for him and believing in him. What a way to live. That our final reward, even if we die for the faith, even if we die in the faith, our final reward is heaven itself. Close with another short story that you've heard, but you need to be reminded of. A missionary happened to come back home, retiring from the mission field on the same ship that Teddy Roosevelt came back on. And when he got there, Teddy Roosevelt coming down the gangplank or standing on the deck of the ship had all these bands and all these people there to meet him and greet him and making a big deal. And he had been on a hunting trip. Not on a presidential mission or something. A hunting trip. And when the missionary came down the gangplank, there was nobody there to meet him. No family, no friends, no church member, anything. And it bothered him. And he said he prayed about it. God, why in the world have you forgotten me and you promised to reward me and to commend me and for faithful service? And Teddy Roosevelt gets all that and I come home and I get nothing. And he said, it was almost like God said to me audibly, which we use that language. It was almost if God said audibly, you're not home yet. Hey, we're not home yet. And may we be encouraged to live by faith till we get home. And God will see that we don't shrink back and that we persevere. Let's pray. Father, help us as your children to be faithful uh, through trials and in trials as you rescue us, as you give us over to them. May we be faithful. May we trust you all the more. Thank you that you are the ones that you are the one that rewards those who seek you. You're not ashamed to be called our Father. And when we walk by faith, you somehow are pleased with us. It's beyond comprehension. We're not able to do those things. Give us grace to do it. Help us to live and die for your glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our closing hymn is hymn number 94. And Randolph, let's just do the first four. First four. Let's stand and sing and do the first four.
the last verse is, The soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell, should endeavor to shake, I will never, no never, no never forsake. God will never forsake his people. And he will give you the power to live a life that pleases him. Receive the benediction. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with every good thing for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Grace be with you all. Amen. Mm -hmm.